Hi, everyone, and welcome to the State of State Schools podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, Christian author, former homeschooler, and former public school teacher. Once a week, I'll give a quick recap of the most important headlines in education and pull back the curtain on what's really happening in our kids' schools. If you're a teacher, parent, or homeschool family, this podcast is for you. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 45. Everything I'm talking about in this episode comes from the week of October 23rd. Here's what I'm talking about. Lawsuits over homeschool curriculum, a Tennessee school shooting threat, Milwaukee Public Schools is set to host a Black Lives Matter at Schools program, and the link between homeschoolers and ninja warriors. Story number one, several families in California are suing state, district, and school officials for religious discrimination. So here's what's happening. And you can find out if this would possibly happen in your area too. So the legal issue is between the First Amendment, you know, free speech, freedom of expression, freedom of religion, and the California Constitution, which says that state money cannot be used to teach denominational doctrines. So in California, some charter schools allow students to do quote-unquote independent study programs where they can choose what subject to study and you know what curriculum to use, even extracurricular activities. And state funds can be used for those materials. And that's the catch. You see, the families in this lawsuit happen to be Christians and they wanted to use a you know quote unquote religious curriculum or a Christian curriculum for their children as part of this independent study program and this is again at their charter school however in this case the charter schools have refused to allow the students and their families to use any materials that have a religious affiliation a religious worldview or use religious references. And even beyond that, the students were told that they had to redo any assignments that discussed their religious beliefs. At the beginning of last school year, one family purchased the Good and the Beautiful curriculum, which describes itself as a multi-denominational curriculum, and it's written by members of the Latter-day Saints. So the student was completing assignments from this curriculum the whole year as part of that independent study program until the school said that the student would be disenrolled for incomplete work. Basically, the student was kicked out of school. The school wouldn't accept that work. So this is the issue with public funds in education. The issue is strings attached. The power of the purse dictates what the public money can and can't be used for. It's that simple. The First Amendment says freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. And really, are we supposed to believe that our education system is values neutral? Or, you know, that when it comes to religion, education is neutral? I don't think so. That was, you know, the position 30 years ago in my hometown when the Indiana Supreme Court said the Gideons couldn't distribute Bibles. We're just trying to be neutral. Well, when you remove one set of values, another set comes in and takes its place. So here's the situation. Schools 
They can't teach that there's a God, but they can teach that there isn't a God. Is that neutral? Schools cannot teach creationism, but they can teach the Big Bang Theory. Is that neutral? They cannot teach that God created male and female, but they can teach that there's an infinite number of genders and that you can choose them. Is that neutral? They cannot teach the objective truth of God's word, but they can teach that everyone has their own truth. Is that neutral? And schools cannot teach that homosexuality is a sin, but they can teach and they can celebrate gay pride. Is that neutral? I don't think so. So these are just a few examples, a few examples of how education is nowhere near being quote unquote values neutral. Education, especially public education, is extremely values biased. So long story short, parents, beware of the public funds. That's the issue in this case. And that's my fear with the school choice movement in general. My fear is that if you use those public funds to send your kid to a private school, a charter school, a Christian school, or even to homeschool, why would we think that there would not be strings attached? When has there ever been government allocated funds given out that did not have stipulations attached? Let's not fool ourselves here. Story number two is on the issue of school shootings. There's an issue going on in Tennessee about an hour south of Nashville, but the point of sharing this story is just to alert other parents out there of how things sometimes work in education and you know, you'll wanna be prepared one way or another. So last school year in a middle school outside of Nashville, a boy was planning a school shooting. He had a hit list, he had a date picked out, and he was even doing practice drills. He even told one of his friends, to skip school on the day of the planned shooting. Well, thankfully, several students knew about this plan and they told authorities and the potential shooter was expelled. Well, now, this school year, that same student is now back in high school, in the same school district, walking the same halls and sitting in the same classrooms as some of the very students he planned to kill just a year ago. And it's not like this student came back you know, a new person, totally changed, remorseful. No, he proceeded to get in more fights, even punched one of the kids whose parents have been pressing the school about this issue. So naturally, parents are concerned for the safety of their children at school, but leadership, school leadership has failed on several fronts to address this issue. Initially, parents were told by school leadership that they cannot suspend a student for longer than 180 school days. That's a school year. But that turned out to be inaccurate. The minimum suspension, minimum suspension for such an offense is 180 school days. And state law allows school districts to increase that length as they see fit. The school also happens to have a new principal who claimed to be unaware of the situation in the student's history. And they claim to not even know the student's name. So yeah, that's reassuring. And when parents met with school officials, parents were told to become activists and speak to their representatives about, you know, passing gun laws. But that argument's completely irrelevant because the issue is not about gun laws. 
It's about the suspension over threats of mass murder. Plus, 14-year-olds can't buy guns already. So that's failure number two on the part of the school. Finally, and perhaps the feather in the cap of you know, incompetence here, came in a school board meeting. The school district knew there would be an uproar about this issue at the beginning of the school year because families had already started to remove their students from school and were sacrificing time, money, and resources to send their kids elsewhere. So the school board removed the public comment portion of the board meeting, and they refused to allow parents to speak. In fact, they spent the whole meeting talking about non-issues like what to do with the Xerox machine. So I'm not sure what your takeaway is in this story, but for me, it's that you really just can't trust other people with your kid's safety. Sometimes you have to be your own advocate in these situations. Now, of course, I always suggest homeschooling. I advocate for homeschooling, all the benefits. And this, this story, this situation is just another example or another reason why I support homeschooling. Story number three, just a quick heads up for anyone living in the Milwaukee area or anyone with kids in the Milwaukee public schools. The Milwaukee public schools recently held a contest for its students to design a t-shirt as part of their Black Lives Matter at school curriculum. Now, I've talked about the Black Lives Matter organization many times and have even discussed their education curriculum. But in case you're not familiar, let me explain just a little bit. The BLM organization, which was founded by Marxists and self-described Marxist, and they recently voiced their support. Black Lives Matter recently voiced their support for the Hamas attack in Jerusalem. When Hamas paraglided in and you know killed a bunch of people at a music festival. Well, Black Lives Matter supports that, and guess what? They make curriculum for schools. So if your kids are in the Milwaukee schools, they'll be participating in this Black Lives Matter curriculum, which teaches you know, systemic racism, white privilege, and how Israel is guilty of apartheid and attempted genocide. And all this stuff is being celebrated with a t-shirt contest. The school's even giving away prize money to the winner. And that's really only scratching the surface as to what's in this curriculum. We haven't even gotten to the you know, BLM week of action I've talked about before. So I've said it many times, but these special events, just like this t-shirt contest, this is what kids get excited about in schools. This is a huge part of the indoctrination process going on in public schools. Things like Pride Week, the BLM Week of Action, the NEA's push to quote-unquote read banned books. These are things that get kids excited because it takes away from the academics. You know, they're making bracelets. Now we're making t-shirts. We're drawing pictures. We're winning prize money. You know, what student wouldn't be into all that? But that's just the hook. And once kids are hooked, it's easier for them to accept all the radical ideological stuff that follows. So parents, it's up to you. You need to find out if your school uses this BLM curriculum, and if so, either get it out of your school or get your kids out of that school. Teachers, you too. Teachers, you too. If this is being discussed at a staff meeting, speak up and refuse to teach this stuff because it's racist. 
It's discriminatory and it's divisive. All right, story number four. This is a fun story to finish with, especially for homeschool families. One of the fastest growing sports in America is Ninja Warrior. You've probably heard of this sport because of NBC's TV show, American Ninja Warrior. This is where athletes attempt to complete a challenging and dynamic obstacle course in the fastest time possible. The sport requires skills like running, jumping, climbing, reaching, you know, incredible strength, agility, balance, coordination. There are even Ninja Warrior leagues around the country and the world. But NBC's American Ninja Warrior TV show seems to be the, you know, Super Bowl for Ninja Warriors. The minimum age requirement is 15 and the competition is fierce. So getting on that show can be hard. But this sport is not just a gimmick for a TV show. It's very competitive and it's rapidly growing thanks in part to homeschoolers. So what does this have to do with homeschooling? You might be wondering. Well, let's get into that. The sport of Ninja Warrior requires a lot of travel because if you want to stay relevant in the rankings, you have to compete. And to compete, you have to travel to competitions. And since the sport is still growing, those competitions are spread out. And basically, you have to, you know, be there or be square. Now, unlike the more popular American sports, Ninja Warrior athletes tend to peak between the ages of 16 and 22. So in many different ways, the Ninja Warrior sport tends to favor the homeschool lifestyle because homeschoolers generally can get into a sport at a younger age and put the hours in at home or on the move as opposed to spending most of their days in a public school setting. In addition to the amount of travel, Ninja Warrior athletes often train for several hours a day five or more days a week, which is a time commitment that very few public school students can make. Early on in the sport, there really weren't many coaches, if any at all. So athletes pretty much had to explore and train themselves. But now as time has gone on and those more successful teenagers are getting older, many of them are coming back and becoming coaches, which means the talent is getting better and better. So while being a ninja warrior isn't really a full-time job, there are becoming more and more ways to make money through the sport. There's now a push for ninja warrior to become an Olympic sport, maybe replacing events like equestrian, you know, as part of the modern pentathlon. The Olympic push would also increase popularity and the likelihood of universities adopting ninja leagues, which means that scholarship money could be available in the future. But it's not all about money or even athletics, really. Ninja Warrior has become popular specifically among Christian homeschool families because it's not a cutthroat, ruthless type of sport. There's a lot of camaraderie between athletes and their families. And typically, that is the case with homeschoolers. You have homeschool co-ops, right? There's a lot of camaraderie, a lot of community. Well, because homeschoolers' schedules are so conducive to the sport, the two kind of complement each other very well. So many Christian homeschoolers are competing in the sport. And then they sometimes create their own facilities for training and competitions. And as a major bonus, Christian warrior facilities have opportunities 
to hold conferences about the sport where they can share the gospel, even have praise and worship services, and even lead people to Christ. So this is a pretty cool thing, I think. And if you're interested in looking into the Ninja Warrior Leagues for your homeschooler, you can find the links to all this stuff on this episode's page. Well, that's all I have for you guys this week. Thanks for listening. Take care. That's the State of State Schools.